Good morning. You may take your seats. To the visitors, also a warm welcome from my side. As you heard, uh, we had our prayer and fast week, and so it's quite evident that the church has decreased. Definitely not in number, but obviously in size. Um, but I trust it's been a, a blessed week for you. Um, it was one of the days, I think it's the Tuesday, the application part in our devotional book. Uh, we had to think uh, and pray and say thank you for somebody that played a role in our lives, in our spiritual walk. What a moment it was just to go and sit and write down names. And again, yes, to be thankful for those men and women that walked with me, but also to be aware of how God never leaves us alone. How He uses brothers and sisters to, to guide us, to lead us, to hold us up. Um, so I trust it's been really a good, blessed, fast time for you. And so we're continuing today with our uh, four-week sermon series on holiness. And so maybe you have not been here, especially the visitors, or maybe you just returned from holiday. And so in week one, uh, I preached about Genesis 3, where in a split of a second, one moment, because of temptation and doubt, man lost everything, and that everything is not material, that everything was a close relationship with God because of deception and temptation. And then last week, Rudo preached on how in Jesus, how in Jesus our holiness can be restored, that we cannot save ourselves, but it's in Christ that we are emerged. It is in Him that we are restored and made new. And so maybe let me just explain again you've not been here, what does holiness mean? Holiness means it's to be set apart. If these boxes represent people, holiness means you are set apart by God for His purposes. And so in week one, I took the box and I put it on that side just to, to make the picture clear of being set apart. But in actual fact, yes, we are set apart, but we are not removed from the world. We are still in the world, but we are not from the world. And so John 17, verse 15, you will read where, where Jesus himself prays, Father, I pray that you will not take them out of this world, but that you will protect them against the evil one that seeks to destroy. But if you look at the boxes, you look at the people, you will see, yes, they differ in shape and size. If you look at me and Rudo and Eugene, Definitely different shapes and sizes. But the outward appearance is exactly the same. And herein lies the challenge for all of us to truly understand what is the meaning of holiness. What does it mean to be set apart? Holiness is critical to anybody that calls himself a follower of Christ. You see, you cannot be set apart and yet look like the world. You cannot have one foot in holiness and one foot in the world. Your conduct, when you go on that golf tour, men, you cannot be set apart, but yet in your actions over that week or weekend, you look like somebody from the world. You cannot... Spend time with different women, ladies, at high tea. 
And yet, your conduct looks similar to the world. The way you do business, the way you interact with your husband or your wife or your children, the way you go about your affairs, the way you speak, the language we use, you cannot be set apart and yet the language you use is sort of the norm in the world. And so today, we're going to continue in this series, and I'm going to focus on our conduct as believers. Because here's the thing. We can be set apart. I like doing this. But we are called to look different. Holiness lived is what we're going to focus on today. How does this look? So you can open your words with me. 1 Peter. And if we speak of conduct, conduct is another word for behavior. We're going to read from 1 Peter 2. And so the recipients of this letter are non-Jewish believers in Asia Minor, the modern-day Turkey. And so these believers experienced various forms of persecution. Most of them, if not all, were ostracized by their families and their friends because of their faith. Business in this area was known for idol worship and different spiritual rituals. And so as a believer, it was difficult for you to do business, to care for your family, to make money, to care for your family, because it meant that you had to participate in some of these rituals. You see, for them to be set apart cost a lot. It cost a lot. And one can imagine and understand why it would be possible for them to be tempted to stand with one foot in the world and one foot in holiness. And we're going to start reading from verse 9 to see what Paul or Peter speaks about or say about our conduct. 1 Peter verse 9, But you are a chosen race. He's speaking to these believers. These believers. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners, people that are moving through a particular place or country or region on their way to somewhere else, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, exiles, somebody that belongs somewhere else, but they are in a different place for a period of time. We are sojourners and exiles. To abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Listen to this. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. 
Father, we pray that you just break open this morning your heart for us in our walk with you. Amen. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of living a life of holiness? As I prepared, I, I think most of us would do the same. With, I went to, there's this specific guidances, the Christian conduct guidances all over the, the world. Romans 12 being a good example of this, of how we should be living our lives. Helping us to understand what it looks like to be a citizen in the new kingdom, the upside down kingdom, the kingdom of God clear guidance as to how we should look. You know, the things that we should abstain from, the things we should do, the things we should flee from, and the things we should uphold. And so for these believers, they face some serious challenges and temptations. And I would think, you know, Paul would at least give them a list of things they can use to help guide them through all of these challenges and temptations, challenges in business. How should I go about being still honorable and yet be able to do business? And to some extent, in this letter, Peter does give that. But for the majority in this passage, he moves away from conduct. And instead... He focuses on what they should root their conduct in, in what their conduct should be rooted in. So not do this, but remember where your conduct should be rooted in. Rooted in means what should influence your conduct, your behavior, from where your behavior should be developed from. And he mentions two things in this passage that we're going to look at this morning. The one is our identity. And the second, our story. You see, identity, it's most probably one of the most spoken about, struggled with areas of our lives in our pursuit of holiness. When we are set apart this morning, I know that I know that there are people sitting here that, yes, they can understand that they are set apart by God for His purposes. But you struggle to believe, to embrace, to accept what a loving Father sees in you, speaks over you, and that He loves you. See, some of us sitting here this morning, sitting here and you might be feeling, I'm not good enough. I will never amount to anything. I'm a disaster to any relationship. I'm not wanted. I'm not wanted. If you're anything like me, we tend to to take our old identities into our newfound life in Jesus. We take our expired identities, those, those pictures 
those images, those stories, the feelings that have shaped your life for so long. And you take that into your new found life. And these believers in Asia Minor found themselves at a place of pain, being ostracized, being chased away. They felt abandoned, hurt, loneliness. And in the midst of all of this, Peter does not focus on their conduct, which was the obvious challenge they were facing. No, he reminds them of whom they are. Listen to what he says in verse 9. But you are a chosen race. But you are a chosen race. The word race literally means offspring. You are a chosen offspring. This morning, doesn't matter whether you believe that God loves you or not. God himself is speaking and he's saying, I chose you. You are my offspring. You are my offspring. They like Abram in Genesis 12, go and read it. A moon worshiper was chosen not because of their conduct, but because God wanted to. Why? Why would God want to choose me? Why would God want to choose a moon worshiper and then make him to be the father of our faith? Because of love. God so loved the world. God so loved Abram. God so loved these believers. God so loves you this morning that He gave His Son so that you can be part of His offspring. He continues and He says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, now, in the Old Testament, the priests were those individuals that once a year could enter into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies. And what Peter is saying here, that us, like them, in Christ, set apart, no matter where you are, can enter into His presence. No matter the conduct or the shame, you can enter into His presence. But here's another thing. We're not just priests. We are royal priests. There's a dignity bestowed on you this morning. You are loved in Him and you are dignified in Him. The men, I need you to look me in the eyes. You are loved. Maybe you've never heard this from another man. But you are loved. Not only are you loved, you are dignified as offspring of a living God, a holy God that we sung this morning. He has dignified you. We are a holy nation. If you know anything about cattle farming, you would know that if you go to an auction, how would you know which cattle is, belongs to which farmer? They are marked. Yes, that's how you know. And in this moment, Peter is saying, you, in Christ, are marked. 
You are part of a new nation. You are part of the upside-down kingdom. You are loved, you are dignified, and you carry the mark of the King of Kings. You belong to the King of Kings. We are a holy nation. A people for His own possession. A people for His own possession. Because you are chosen. Because He loves you. Because He wants to dignify you. He chose you. And you are His precious belonging. Why do you think it is so important for Peter to focus on their identity when the obvious challenge was their conduct? Have you ever thought of that? Why is it so important for him to focus on identity and not help them in their conduct? Because here's the thing. Our conduct is rooted in our sense of identity. Let me try and explain this visually to you. Behind me, you will see the strongest young man known to Pretoria. Is the picture up? That's my son. It's my champion. It is obvious that he's not born from my loins. Yes? But in his mind, he is my son, and I'm his father. His identity is clear. Crystal clear. And how does this impact his conduct? Well, the picture speaks for itself. Everything in him shouts, this is my father, and I want to imitate him. You see, if you struggle with your identity, you will struggle in your conduct. You are a son and a daughter of the living king. What does your conduct reflect? You see, because our conduct is a mirror of our beliefs about ourselves. Let me say that again. Your conduct is a mirror of your beliefs about yourself. What you think of yourself is how you will behave. If you do not feel loved, if you feel abandoned, then your actions will speak of it. And in this moment, Peter is looking at his fellow brothers and sisters in Asia Minor. And he's saying to them, do not forget who you are. Yes, you might be abandoned in your current circumstances, but you are accepted by a living God. Yes, you might feel lonely, but He has sent His Spirit to be with you always. You are loved. You belong. You belong. And so... He focuses on their identity, and then he moves on to their story. Listen to to what he says in verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Sorry. If you study that verse, verse 10, you will see Peter is taking a quote from another book in the Old Testament called Isaiah. I don't know if you know this book, if you've ever read it. It's a tough book and yet a beautiful book. Let me try and summarize it. God instructs his prophet Isaiah 
to go and marry a prostitute called Dorim. Why? Because God wants His prophet to experience what He is experiencing from His people, His chosen race, Israel. And as they have children, God then instructs Dorim, his wife, to name them. Each child gets a name after the current position Israel has towards God. Listen to these names. Imagine giving your child a name like this. You are not loved. You have no mercy from me. You are not my people. The sad thing is many of us feel like that this morning. We might not bear the name, but we bear the experience, and that has become our reality. And the beauty of this book is found in a God that cannot help but pursue His people. Because in chapter 3, He instructs Isaiah to go to the marketplace in the city where his wife is busy giving herself to other men to purchase her back for him, to be his wife again. And so what is our story this morning? Our story is exactly like this story. God entering into marketplace through his son Jesus to purchase for himself those that have been unfaithful to him. Our story is a story of redemption. Like he pursued his people, he is still pursuing us because he is a loving God. Our story is a story of a loving father who gave his son because he loves you. Because He loves you. Because He loves you. What is your identity that you are holding on to this morning? Do you truly feel accepted? Do you truly feel like you belong? Do you truly feel that you are a son in a house of the Father of Fathers. How does this word apply to us this morning? Easy. What does your conduct say about your identity this morning? What does your conduct say about your story? Your story influences your identity for a long period. I felt that I am not good enough being abandoned. I felt that I will always be the one that will never be good enough. And so when I came to faith, I brought that identity into my new reality. And for a long period in my life, I struggled to believe that I'm truly accepted, that I'm truly loved. And so what would I do? Easy. I would keep people far away by this numb-looking face and demeanor, not to allow them to come too close and then reject me again. Some of us this year today 
find ourselves holding on to an old identity, an old image, an old story, an old experience or anything. You find yourself with one foot in the world because, because your identity is not in Christ. You try to fit in. You try to, to fit in so that you won't be pushed away. You find yourself with one foot in the world and one foot in holiness. And the word to us this morning is the same that it's been to the believers in 1 Peter 2. That is not who you are. You have been set free. You have been purchased by the blood of the Son. You have been restored in Christ. You are no longer a slave to sin. Romans 6, you have been set free. And because that is who you are, God calls us to walk in that way, in the conduct acceptable to somebody that is a believer in Christ. Because our conduct has a purpose. And so the devil knows this, which is why he's trying to keep you to hold on to this old identity and story and image. Because he makes you numb to the purpose. Because you were set free, you were set apart for a specific purpose. What is that purpose? Verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Our purpose in life is not to be removed, but to be a city on the hill whose light shines the brightest. When we act the school bribe for parents, we are called to shine brightly so that in our conduct he might receive glory. When we do go on that golf tour or have high tea, I don't know if ladies still have high tea, but it sounded nice. We are called to look different so that people will come to see a loving God through your conduct and glorify Him. Next time, gents, ladies, when you get so angry that you want to strangle your spouse, remember that in your conduct, people will either see the light that you are a part of or not. Your children sees how you go about your daily walk. It's clear that he's trying to imitate me. Just imagine him never seeing me say sorry. Just imagine him never seeing me cry before the Lord. Our conduct has a purpose. You will never come to experience the fullness of the life that you have in Christ. As long as you keep on holding on, one foot in the world and one foot in holiness. There comes a time where it just becomes impossible to go backwards and forwards. There comes a time when you have to make a decision. There comes a time when you have to let go and walk in the fullness of to what you have been called, to experience 
the name, the love, the desire God speaks over you, God has for you.